Hey guys, welcome to Creative Entrepreneur. Today we have a great guest for you. We're going to be talking about changing your mindset and changing your life. You don't want to miss this episode, so stay tuned. Coming to you from San Antonio, Texas, welcome to The Creative Entrepreneur, a podcast created to help entrepreneurs build their business, branding, marketing, analytics, positioning, and lead generation, plus interviews with other business owners to learn from their successes and failures. Now, here is your host, Abel Garza. Hey guys, welcome back to The Creative Entrepreneur. Today we have an amazing guest for you. We're going to be talking about changing your mindset and changing your life. We have an organizational psychologist with us today, and he's a best-selling author of Willpower Doesn't Work. Please help me welcome Dr. Benjamin Hardy. How are you doing today? Doing really great. Just happy to be with you, Abel. Awesome. I'm really excited to have you on the show today because we get to talk about one of my favorite subjects, which is mindset and understanding the mindset of the entrepreneur. So why don't we start out by giving me a little bit of information as to who you are, what you do, and how you help your customers. Yes. So I am an organizational psychologist. Um, That's, I guess, one way to describe me. Uh, I have five kids. We adopted three of them from from the foster system while I was doing my PhD and uh, it was a crazy, arduous battle mm-hmm. fighting the foster system to adopt our three kids, but it was a transformational experience. And a month after we adopted our kids, we had twins. So that was a crazy journey, you know, as far as adopting kids, a month later getting pregnant and having twins. So we basically went from zero to five in one year. Mm-hmm. And that was a wild journey, but uh, it's been amazing. So now we live in Orlando, Florida, and uh, when it's not a pandemic, we enjoy <laughs> going to Disney. But, well, I don't know what's yeah. more difficult, being an organizational psychologist or being a foster parent, but man, I can only imagine. So you're a best-selling author of Willpower Doesn't Work. Please give me a little bit of information on on your book. I I, I know that you've you've written blogs. You've you your blogs have been uh, read by hundreds of millions of people. You've been featured on Forbes, Fortune, CNBC, Cheddar, Big Think, and and many others. So I know this book is doing amazing things. And, and I'm, I'm super excited to have you on the show, by the way, but give me a little bit of information as to, uh, what this book is about. Yeah. Willpower doesn't work is, you know, so willpower doesn't work is a book I wrote published almost three years ago. It's a great book though. It's done well. And, uh, I wrote it because, well, so I'll just give a quick background on what the book is. Basically the book is about how environment and context and situation are far more powerful than willpower. That's scientific, but it's also, if you just really think about it, um, let me explain. So when my wife and I became foster parents, obviously when you take three kids from a really rough background, really bad background, and you put them in a new situation, they have new options. Um, they've got new options, therefore they can make new choices. So your ability to make choices is very much based on your context. Uh, if you're in a limiting environment, you don't really have a lot of choices. Uh, interestingly, right now, you know, given the coronavirus, this is very obvious, our mm-hmm. choices are incredibly different because of the situation than they were before the situation. Absolutely. And so uh, it just shows that like your context or your environment is really far more influential than we, than we take for granted. But in Western culture, we're so individualistic. We're so obsessed with ourselves and with like things like habits and all these things that we think that we're the ones that are, you know, more powerful than the situation. And so the book's really about how to create your environment so that you can be who you want to be or so that you can become who you want to become. And yeah, that's, that's so, really what the so book's about. So at what point would you say that, I guess, what would be the first steps in me taking taking those steps and changing my mind? Um, this book's really about 
changing your environment really okay um, so changing the your book the book that the book that uh is coming out shortly is called personality isn't permanent that's that's a lot more about sh- sh- uh, reshaping your identity etc oh, okay but uh, as far as changing your environment i think that the principles are all connected mm-hmm. um you know mindset's super important but identity is actually more important um and so your identity is actually where you would want to start and the best place to start with your identity is actually with your future self so there's a lot of research these days on how basically, you know, so I would point you to Daniel Gilbert, who's a Harvard psychologist. He actually has a TED talk, really brilliant. It's called The Psychology of Your Future Self. Very worth watching. It's only about six minutes long. Mm -hmm. But what Gilbert and others have studied is how personality adjusts and changes over time. And and, an environment is a big aspect of this, by the way. Your roles and your environment and your situation very much predict who you are. Um, But when it comes to like thinking, who do I want to be? And like really making massive change in your life, the first place you really need to start is your future self. Like and there's a, there's a lot of research that talks about how the number one regret that people have, like when they're on their deathbed is they, is that they didn't have the courage to be who they wanted to be, but instead they lived up to the expectations of those around them. Mm-hmm. So I think that journaling is honestly a great place to start when you're trying to think about who you want to be, mm-hmm. but this is about being honest with yourself. So Dan Sullivan says that all progress starts by telling the truth. You know, so like, yeah. you really need to think about like, who do I really want to be? What would my, what would my future circumstances look like? Um, what, what, what are my attributes? How am I showing up in my relationships? How much money am I making? What are my circumstances? You know, so if you're an entrepreneur, this is crucial. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. As, like there's a lot of research on identity and specifically the identity of becoming an entrepreneur. And like, you have to be very good at visualization and, and, and imagination when you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. But that's kind of the first place to start out. So the second place from there is that you need to start telling everyone your goals. You need to start telling everyone what you're up to, mm-hmm. even though you're not that person yet, you need to start telling people because then you, you feel clear about your identity. And also then you start to feel compelled to start being consistent towards who you want to be versus who you've been. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you tell somebody that you're going to do something, I think it's human nature just to follow through with what you've said. Otherwise, you're compromised there. You know, you just uh, you're looking like sometimes uh, you say you're going to go on a diet and you buy some smaller pants or some smaller jeans uh, and and put yourself in, in the idea, the mindset, okay, I'm one of these days I'm going to fit into this. And then, hey, guys, guess what? I'm going on a diet tomorrow. And then you don't go on a diet. And then they're going to be like, hey, dude, what's up? <laughs> you're not on the I mean, if you start telling everyone, <laughs> you know, you know, so that what they, so there's a good theory. It's called the, you know, what you're saying is brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. So like basically the, uh, there's a theory called the theory of narrative identity. It's basically how our identity is shaped and we, our identity is formed through primarily a few things. One is how we describe ourselves to other people. So if you start telling people what you're saying, you know, as far as like, this is where I'm going, this is where I'm going to be. I'm, gonna, I'm getting in shape. You know, like if you've been out of shape, yeah. I'm going to do this. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do it. You start telling that to everyone. Um, and you start describing your future self, as you said, you start to feel compelled to do it. So, so story is one way action is another. So in psychology, mm-hmm. we call it self-signaling. Basically your, your behavior signals back to you who you think you are. So if you did actually go buy a pair of like thinner pants, that behavior would be pretty powerful. Like, to yeah. your, like the more behaviors you do and actions you take towards your future self, the more your identity starts to develop into that. Um, but what you said also had another concept, um, and that's the idea of actually investing money into your future identity, investing money into your goals. So if you're actually spending money on clothing for, you know, clothes that fit, you know, clit the fit the future version of you, or if you're investing in education, like if you're literally spending money and taking actions and telling people about who you're wanting to be, then you're not only just like in the mindset, but you're literally demonstrating 
um, that you're becoming this person. Absolutely. I mean, we talk about that in school, actually, about investing in your career, investing in your education. And then you like, I mean, people who who pay for it themselves, I think, tend to use their degree more than if they just got like student loans or, you know, if you paid it right out of your pocket, you're going to be using that thing. And I can totally see that. Uh, so you, you talk about identity, you're looking at the future, you're looking at something that you uh, are investing in. It's kind of like, you know, like we were talking about earlier, you know, you're investing in, in, uh, in the jeans or you're buying supplements and you've spent $300 on supplements and you're like, you know what, I need to start feeding my body nutrients and getting the right things in my body. And then I've spent $200 on this stuff. You know what, I got to change my mindset and follow through with this. But the talking to people and and getting them involved with what you're going to do totally creates that buy-in. I, I totally see that. Uh, what would you say are some of the main challenges that people have once they've made that commitment once they've gone in there and said, okay, I'm going to change this in my life, what are some of the pitfalls that they run into? There's a lot of pitfalls. <laughs> I think a primary one is honestly their environment, uh, social group. So like your social group and the roles that you're in in your current situation and even just the environment in general very much predict your behavior. And so one of the big things that you need to do, and this is part of why you need to start telling everyone about your goals, is that you need to reset the expectations for your relationships. Um some of them are going to support you. Some of them are not. Um, but you, you, you know, you need encouragement to move forward and you will actually be surprised. You'll get a lot of encouragement to be honest with you. If you start, t- and honestly, if you're not telling people about your goals, then you're not actually being honest. Like if you're just mm. uh, dropping yourself to the expectations of those around you, or, or if you're dropping yourself to the consistency of who you've been, then you're not living honestly. And if you're not being honest about who you want to be, and if you're not in relationships then your relationships are actually not that, that powerful. So, so your life is a little bit more surface level. Um, but so, I mean, I think resetting the expectations in your relationships and even potentially surrounding yourself with peers, um, that are going the same direction that you want to be going and maybe even mentors and coaches, et cetera, who can support you very powerfully in that way, Mm -hmm. uh, is big, but also just alternating, you know, changing aspects of holding you back. Like if you need to like remove the apps on your cell phone, like if you need to like remove the junk food from your cabinets, like you need to, your environment is a clear reflection of you. And so, you know, it's not just how you spend your time. It's not just what you think about. Like there's a good quote and this comes from Zig, Zig, Zig Ziglar, who's, you know, got love, some interesting concepts, but like he said, your input shapes your outlook. And like, that's very true. Like the information coming in, the food coming in, all the things coming in from the outside world are literally shaping who you are and, and the experiences you're consistently having. Like one of the reasons why people don't change as much as they could is because they're in the same situations over and over and over again. They're playing in the same roles and your role and very much your role very much shapes your persona. So like, for example, you have multiple relationships, but in each of those relationships, you show up a slightly different way because in each of those roles, you have a persona. And so, uh, you know, it's being aware of that, that like mm-hmm. you, you know, if you're going to go show up with certain people, you're going to pop into a, a certain identity and it might not be what's reflective of your future self. And okay. so I think that that's a big one. Absolutely. Um, yeah, there's, there's lots of others, but that's, that's, I mean, and you're surrounding yourself with people that uh, are focused on the same goals as you. They're going to encourage you. They're going to keep you, you know, they're going to keep you, they're going to keep your mindset correct. 
on the right track. Yeah, you keep your mindset and your identity yeah. correct 100%. I mean, so, you need that mindset. You need the mindset of your future self. You need the mindset that you can keep going. You need the mindset that things are going to work out. That's called the growth mindset, honestly, from Carol Dweck. Like, you need that growth mindset. And that growth mindset is fragile. It's mm-hmm. not just you have it or you don't. It's something you have to fuel every single day. And you fuel it by taking steps towards your goals. Like, you build a growth mindset by building confidence. And confidence is the belief that you can keep going. Uh, if you stop fueling it, then you're going to, you're going to stop having confidence and you're going to eventually get a fixed mindset. So you, you have to build it, but yeah, you need, you need, so in psychology, there's another concept, they call it a magnet place. Uh-huh. Uh, this is more sociology, but a magnet place is like places where groups of people come together who have shared interests, you know, and like those could be a mastermind. It could be conferences. It could just honestly be like a workout group. But if you're surrounding yourself with people who are genuinely interested already, no holds barred on going the direction you want to go, then you don't have to posture or pose. You can honestly just assume the identity of your future self. It makes so, it a lot easier. It makes it a lot easier. So you're, you're surrounding yourself with people. You're changing your mindset. You're, you have a trajectory right now. Would you say that there's a fulcrum, there's a middle, there's a almost a, a point in your life where it, it changes to, it, it starts to teeter into the positive. Like, you know, you, you have this negative part that, that you're changing. You've changed your, your environment. You got to the point where, there's this T or this fulcrum, and then all of a sudden it just starts to ascend. What would you say that it, when, when would you say it comes to that point? Is it, is it after the mindset? Is it after you change your environment? Is it after you've reached a certain goal or, or success? When would you say that that, that changes? Almost like a, a, a pivot to the a point of no return. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually written a lot about point of no return. <laughs> I'd love to use that exact phrase, to be honest with you. I've, I studied that literal concept. It, uh, if you actually Google Benjamin Hardy point of no return, mm-hmm. uh, I literally did my master's thesis on that concept. Uh, it's such a good concept. Um, I, I think that my views, though, of it continue to evolve. Like, I think that the idea that there is a point, obviously, when there is no going back um, mentally, emotionally. But I think that... Um, I think that even just taking it, I don't think you just go from negative to positive. I don't think it's that linear. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's, I, I think that honestly, if you start, so like Gordon Livingston, he was a famous psychiatrist. He wrote a book that's very recommendable. It's called too soon, old, too late, smart, too soon, old, too late, smart, brilliant guy. Uh, and this isn't just his idea, but it's a really clear idea in psychology that you need a few things to be happy. One is, is that you need something to do, <laughs> something to focus on. You need someone to love. And then you need something to, something to work towards or something to look forward to. Um, positive anticipation is really healthy for, for motivation and excitement. Like you need something to look forward to. If you don't have something to look forward to, you don't really have hope. You don't have motivation. And so um, like it, it's essential to have clear goals. It's just, I mean, you can't have motivation without clear goals. You can't actually even have an identity <laughs> without clear goals. Mm-hmm. And so I think just, you know, clarifying what you're trying to do and then moving in that direction is big. So motivation is big. I mean, you look at uh, what motivates people and that usually dictates how they move forward. How, what steps would you say is, is a, the best approach to identify your motivation? Because sometimes people don't even know why they're motivated. And so looking at a goal or looking at changing their lives and understanding what motivates them is maybe not as clear as if they ask a certain question. What would you say that question is? Yeah, I would, rather than trying to identify your motivation, I would actually select it. I would choose it. Uh, and I would, 
you know, in kind of a value-based way to some degree, but it's like, when you're asking yourself, who do I want to be? Who's my future self? Like, what does this person care about? I mean, what the research says is, you know, so this is from Hal Hirschfeld at UCLA, but basically it's, it's very crucial for decision-making to determine, to define your future self as a fundamentally different person than you. They're not the same person as you are, just like you. I mean, if I were to ask you, are you the exact same person you were five years ago? What would you say? Absolutely not. No, no. you're not. So you're not the same person you were five years ago, but also just as interestingly, you're not the same person as you're going to be in five years. In five years from now, you're going to be a very different person. Um, that's kind of weird to think about because there's we kind of have this weird psychological concept that who we are right now is who we are, but it's just not true. Mm-hmm. Just like five years ago, you thought you were who you are, but you're different now. Um, and so I think it's it's important to think about when it comes to like motivation. You don't have to just, just – it's not about discovery. It's about what do you choose? So it's like when you're thinking about who you plan to be or who you would like to be, it's like what, what could and what should motivate you? Like as an example, when I was first becoming a foster parent, I was not motivated to be around those kids. Like they were very difficult for me to be around. <laughs> like they mm-hmm. were tough. Their behaviors were terrible. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want to be there, but I, va- but I wanted to. Like I, I didn't, I, I wanted to want it. I didn't want it, but I wished that I wanted it. And I knew that the future version of myself would want it because I would invest myself in those kids and my future self would then be, you know, would really love them, but I I wasn't there yet. And so rather than trying to find what motivates you is what should motivate you? Like, what would your future self be motivated by? And then you have to then develop that. So like motivation isn't what drives you. It's actually, it's actually your, your goals and your behaviors that drive you and motivation is what kicks in. So like there's a a Harvard psychologist named Jerome Bruner. He's got a great quote, but basically the idea is, is that you're more likely to act your way into feeling than feeling yourself into action. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can learn to become motivated about just about anything. Uh, and so the goal is, is to determine what you should be motivated about. And then you fuel that by investing in it, by, by working towards it, by, you know, by spending time on it. And, you know, just as an example, like the current Benjamin Hardy that you're speaking to is very motivated to be with my kids, to invest in them, to spend little moments with them. Former version of me kind of avoided it. Um, but I've, I've invested myself in them and I've really shaped my identity around the fact that that matters to me being a father of these kids and, and caring about what they're their outcomes are. Mm-hmm. Um, that's now my preference versus it was not my preference before. So you've got to choose it. You don't find it. You choose it. Well, I know that there's been a lot of situations in my life where I know where I wanted to be. I know what I wanted to do. And uh, certain situations in my life almost caused me to persevere. So there's a lot of things that, uh, that you know, divorce, uh, single dad, uh having a business, being in the military, going to school at the same time. You know, a lot of things in my life dictate, they were the determining factor as to what my motivation was at that time. That makes so, sense. Makes a lot of sense. So like, for, for example, somebody who loses their job, well, they were complacent at one point. They had their job. They probably didn't Now say the situation is shaping their motivation, right? Exactly, exactly. So now this There's nothing this wrong changes. with that. That's pretty normal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and so for me, just in my example, uh, divorce changed me. Now I'm working uh, another job to try and support and feed my kids and, and give them more than what I had when I was a kid, you know? And so like, and, and of course I'm going to school to try and, and better myself. You're amazing, brother. So you're going to get it. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you. And uh, sorry about, you know, the painful experiences you've well, had. Well, you know, that was back when I, I, I appreciate it, but I mean, it's been 10 years now, but you know, my kids are already all, uh, somewhat grown they're in their teens now but 
um, it was a challenge. And you, you look in the mirror and you ask yourself, can I really do this? And then you, you, you look in the mirror and you ask yourself, can I do this? And so you find your motivation, you get done what you need to do and, and just, you know what? I have no choice. I have to do this. And then I built, I built a business when I was doing it. I had, uh, actually I had multiple businesses during that time. Uh, but you know, that environment, like you're talking about it, 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 you know, changes who you are. It changes, you evolve into so much more. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, there's a quote from William Durant. William Durant was a famous historian and he said that the ability of the average person could be doubled if the situation demanded it. You know, so mm-hmm. it is it is important to realize that situation matters. This is, again, why I wrote willpower doesn't work is because environment and situation really shape people. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like when you got divorced, all of a sudden things changed a little bit. You had to make some adjustments like, you know, you lose your job. Wow. You got to change things. And so, like the co- the core point here is, is that, yes, situations happen to you, but you can also shape situations that force you forward. Like, so for example, like, again, going just back to foster parent, like we didn't just reactively fall into that situation. We chose that situation knowing that it would force us to adapt and change in different ways. And you can apply that. I mean, even as an entrepreneur, you know, you, you, you create a company or you, you, you start moving forward, you get some, you even get some clients and now you've got to like build the thing. It's like an MVP, you know, you create a minimum viable product and all of a sudden people want it and you're like, oh, wow, now we're in a situation where we've got to build this thing thing. You know, so it's mm-hmm. like you can put yourself in situations that then force you to adapt and that, you know, and then the situation motivates you. I mean, what they say, situation. So if you've got a personal trainer at the gym and they're pushing you, like you've already, they're your motivation now, <laughs> mm-hmm. even though like, the, you know, you want to do it. They're the ones who are helping you forward and it's not all on you. Like your, your situation is very much pulling you forward. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So in, in looking at the environment and you're looking at uh, some positivity uh, in this, in this industry, you know, you look at podcasting, for example, uh, there's a lot of people that come to me and say, Hey, I want to start a podcast and uh, I don't know what to do, but I'm very hesitant in starting because I don't want to expose myself to ridicule or, or talk about something that uh, maybe, maybe people don't feel like I know. Uh, how do you mitigate that negativity or that mindset? By telling everyone what you're going to do. <laughs> literally. Mm-hmm. The person who wants to start a podcast, tell everyone you're going to start a podcast. Like literally, like I know that you might get some negative feedback. Um, one, there's other, there's other things to think about here. Um, so there's a concept Malcolm Gladwell popularized it. It's called the 10,000 hour rule. Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. Do it for 10,000 um, hours. But, but he borrowed that from a bunch of research from a guy called Anders Ericsson. And um, Ericsson wrote a book all about it called Peak, but he's been studying what's called deliberate practice for mm-hmm. a really long time. Deliberate practice is, it's actually not the 10,000 hour rule. (laughs) It's not a rule at all because honestly, by doing something for 10,000 hours, you don't actually get, you don't, there's no guarantee you're going to get good at it. You can go to the gym, for example, and do the same thing every day and not get any better. Right. Yeah. So, so, so I'm bringing this up for the person who's afraid to, to try something. Mm -hmm. So in order to transform, you've got to, you've got to first off know what you want. And then you've got to go through the process of becoming that person. That's what deliberate practice is called is, is that throughout, you know, if you're wanting to become a podcast, you got to start podcasting, but your podcasts now are going to, are not going to be as good as your podcasts in three months. Um, but it's called practice. Like, so literally you should commit to your goal, commit to the outcome, but you should, you should be very flexible towards, um, your practice. Like, yes, you need to get better and better, 
But like for me, for example, every time I publish a blog post, it's just practice. If it flops, that's all right. I'm still committed to my goal, mm-hmm. but right now, because this is just practice, I don't have to be so attached to the outcomes along the way. I'm very much committed to the ultimate outcome, but not along the way. And so I think just recognizing that it's practice. Um, and that in the future, you're going to, you're going to actually be better than you are now. Like when I read old blog posts, I'm like, wow, I would not have written that today. In fact, I, I wouldn't even said that today. You know, it's almost yeah. embarrassing that I wrote that. Um, and that's a beautiful process to go through. So practicing it, you know, it it changes you when you're talking about getting started. And a lot of people say, just get started, you know, forget about the details, just start doing it, like start creating content, start start taking photographs, start doing (laughs) everything that you want to do. And And so like, like for example, photography. In, in photography, I get photographers that, or aspiring photographers that come to me and say they want to do something. They they say they want to become a photographer. They don't have enough money, but they want to start. They know that they don't have the knowledge, but they want to learn. And uh, they don't know how to get started. And it's like, well, you know, you have a phone, right? Call a photographer, negotiate a price that's less than what they would charge a regular customer. Get the customer, put them together, do that 10 times, now you're making some money. Shadow the photographer, now now you're learning, and now you have enough money to buy your equipment if you need to do so. So just start. You now, now you have a, your, your, your pulse, your finger on the pulse uh, uh, as to where the market is going, you know? So just getting started, I look at my photos when I'm a photographer, if you don't know that already, looking at my photos when we first started, uh, and I remember thinking to myself, I was scared to death. Like, I, I just like, am I going to be able to put forth a, a product that is worthy? You know, am I going to charge, be able to charge people? And then I looked at those photos recently and I thought, oh my God, these were horrible. Like, you know, they were just terrible. Of course, you know, over the years, we've only been doing this for three years. Just in three years, the transition has been completely day and night. So I totally get the whole getting started just start building content, start doing whatever it is that you're going to do uh, to get better. You know what's great about that? By the way, that's called deliberate practice. But in the future, you're going to look at the work you're doing right now and you're going to feel the exact same way. So it's it's key <laughs> to not, you know, like honestly. So with Daniel Gilbert, he's the guy who studied all this development over time. He's got a quote. He said, human beings are works in progress that mistakenly think they're finished. So what I would mm-hmm. say to you and all listeners is, and I'm speaking to myself as well, is that you're not arrived yet. You're not finished and that your future self is going to be different and that the work you're doing right now, as confident or as non-confident as you are, your future self is going to look at it with different eyes. You know, from a, from a photo, like photography perspective, there's a really good quote from, um, what's his name? Uh, Robert Kiyosaki. He said that mm. basically intelligence is the ability to make finer distinctions, finer distinctions. So it's like, you know, you can see things differently. You see the world not as it is, but as you are. And so like in the future, you're going to see your current, decisions, your current self, you can still actually be inspired by your former self. Like you can be inspired by that guy three years ago who was trying, even though you view Mm -hmm. that person's work quite differently now from your current perspective and your current identity, Mm -hmm. you can still be like really inspired by the fact that that man was, you know, your former self, you three years ago was taking those leaps and that you were moving forward and you can be really inspired by that. And also you can also acknowledge that you're not that person anymore. You see the world differently. You've, you've gone through quite a bit. Um, but you can, your past should, no matter what, even if you failed, or even if something terrible happened to you, be something that you look at with with respect and with uh, with empathy and with love, but at the same time recognizing you're not that person anymore. And and just as admittedly, <laughs> to not overly value your current your current stuff because yeah. hopefully in the future you've got much better perspectives than you do right now, 
Um, but you keep going. This is practice. Like you've, you've got to yeah. keep going. And so I'm going to keep pushing out blog posts as an example, keep writing books, keep going through challenging hard things, because those are the things that are going to transform my perspectives in the future and allow me to look back on this and say, wow, I'm really glad I'm not still there. <laughs> I hope it's not the same concept as you're looking at pictures of yourself when you were younger and you're like, man, I was so skinny. And then you look at pictures now and you're like, oh my God, I'm so fat. And then you look at pictures in the future and you're like, oh my God, I was actually skinny. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's that's true that's how it'll feel unless yeah. you know unless you do something about it i guess but yeah that's true like think about it it doesn't matter how overweight you are if you're over if, if you get heavier in the future you're gonna look at pictures of you now and you're like wow i was thin you know it's all perspective it's all perspective yeah i mean and changing your perspective is huge there's this thing that i have on my website is that people are put into situations that dictate who they who they are and who they become and uh it's crazy because I've always felt that way. I've always felt that way from the moment that I, I learned that I was getting divorced, that I wanted to do something better for my kids and, and build a business and go to school. I, I understood it was almost like a light switch that helped me understand that, that the environment that you're in, the situations that people are put into, they help you dictate who you become. Also the people, the people that you, you run into, the people that you uh, socialize with the people who you network with building you up. It's, it's all part of that. In my opinion, how does trauma negatively impact your personality uh, and limit your future? Immensely. <laughs> Let's just say trauma is the thing that shapes a fixed mindset. Um, but trauma is often incorrectly defined by most people. Most people define trauma as just like something extreme, like, you know, going to war or like, you know, like they think of it purely as PTSD, but trauma is any negative event that shapes how you view the world, how you view yourself. And, you know, so like there's a lot of research these days on like what's called math trauma and the fact that like most kids have math trauma uh, and math trauma is basically just the belief that you can't do math. You know, like it's mm -hmm. literally that fixed mindset, but where did it come from? You know, it came from at some point a negative experience happened. Maybe a teacher or a parent said, you're not very good at this or they failed a test or just something occurred and there was a negative emotional reaction. And, and in that mo emotional reaction, what's called a cognitive commitment occurred, which is basically mm. an idea, a story. I can't do this. I'm not good at this. This is as good as I'm going to get. I, I, got, I should do something else. Because they're, re they're reacting to the, to the negative emotions that occurred. So in psychology, you've got your primary emotions, which is your initial reaction. And then hopefully you've got secondary emotions, which is where you can reframe it and kind of choose how you view it or how you feel about it. But with, with trauma... You have a negative event that occurs and you don't reframe it. You just, you're, you're defined by your initial reaction and the initial insight that came, which is like, I'm not good at this or, or something occurs, even just negative, you know, if, I mean, obviously there's people that go through very hard things. We've all gone through yeah. very hard things. Um, and so there's a book actually called body keeps the score. The body keeps the score by Bessel van der Kolk. It's the number one book on trauma. It's actually the reason mm -hmm. I wrote personality isn't permanent. It's because I read that book, but uh, one of the things he talks about is that trauma freezes your personality. It literally keeps you stuck in the past and, and it, it, it stunts your development because basically what trauma is, is, is if it's not resolved, it leads you to being emotionally rigid. You know, you, you become very rigid in how you see the world and in black and white and you become unwilling to deal with difficulty. You become the opposite of flexible. So mm -hmm. psychological flexibility uh, is crucial to learning. You've got to be flexible and that's really an aspect of confidence, but what happens if someone develops math trauma, like literally, and that's literally just the mindset that they can't do math anymore because of some yeah. event that occurred and they're defined by that event rather than defined by their goals uh, and then supported through the glass ceilings that you hit along the way. Absolutely. Um, if you 
if you have a negative reaction and you form some belief, a fixed mindset that you can't do this, then what that means is you're going to be incredibly non-flexible towards math. You're not going to be imaginative. You're not going to see yourself getting better at it. You're going to actually see yourself stepping away from it. And so you, you're not even, you're, you don't imagine yourself moving forward, which is, again, required for deliberate practice, seeing yourself getting better and better. But you become inflexible and you become unwilling to deal with it. And so you just shut off. And so that's really how trauma shapes people is, is you know, this, this, this isn't just with math. This is like with every aspect of your life. If you have negative, negative experiences and you don't resolve them, then you become non-flexible towards life and you become unwilling mm-hmm. to move forward and you become defined and described by the past. And you then, you know, what Bessel also talks about in, in The Body Keeps the Score is that trauma shatters not only flexibility, it shatters hope and it shatters imagination. It Absolutely. makes you very black and white and rigid in your views. And obviously you need to be flexible and you need, you need hope, you know, you need something to hope for, something to anticipate, something to look for. And you need to, you know, be flexible in the learning process of becoming that. And so trauma, trauma stunts, you know, and we're all to some degree impacted by trauma. Like oh, absolutely. You, you and me, there's aspects of us that have fixed mindsets and aspects of us that are non-flexible to learning and to dealing with things because of fixed mindsets that we've developed in the past. Yeah. I mean, growing up in South Texas, it's almost a, it's a given, you know, growing up where I grew up and it's because um, we grew up in South Texas and it's almost there's a there was a limiting factor. Of course, back then we didn't have as much information as we did now. And so it was it was like the bowels of Texas. And, you know, and so you're limited in the, it's almost as though if you're almost uh, um, limited in your mindset as to what the, the possibilities are. But I would say don't let somebody's perception of you dictate who you are. You know, it's like uh, there's certain things in my life that have happened. And I think, man, if somebody would have called, they called me, let's just say somebody called me stupid, you know, you know, that's a pretty hurtful, pretty incredibly hurtful, crazy thing to say. That That makes a big impact on your identity. Yeah. I mean, that sticks with you. And so like in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, what did they say? They say they're saying something else or, you know, so I'm trying to rewire and change my mind as to what they said. And I think that that whole concept is, is like you said, being flexible and, and changing the way you perceived that person uh, telling you that you're stupid. I mean, that like there is, it's a, it's like a knife in the heart, you know? And, you know, when I was, when I was first starting this podcast and I go back to, you know, some of the ridicule or maybe some of the judgments that, that maybe people might've uh, might have of you uh, when you're starting and uh, when I started this podcast, I, I, I would bump this idea off of other people. And they're like, well, what, you know, gives you any kind of credibility? I mean, who are you to talk about entrepreneurship? I'm like, I mean, my entire life has been business. My entire education is business. The thing is, That's you don't have to justify to anyone, my friend. No, no, no. I mean, in I know, my I mind. Know, but what, I, what I'm saying, though, is what's, and, and this is to you, but it's also, it's mostly to everyone listening. And I know the feeling because you feel like you need to justify yourself because of the naysayers. The only thing that you have to justify to yourself is your future self and that you truly want it. Like literally what other people's opinions, you know, other people's opinions, which some of them may come, but, and I think that there is some of a, there's a sort of bar of entry to what you're describing. Cause when you try something new, you have low confidence. And so you're incredibly sensitive to things that in the future are not going to matter to you. You're, in, you're sensitive mm-hmm. to people's opinions. You know, like I remember, for example, getting terrible comments on my blog post in the beginning and it would like ruin my day. Uh, you get to the point, you know, but in the, your future self is not going to be affected by those things. You know what I mean? 
but yeah. but but in the beginning your confidence is a little low your identity is yeah. a little shaky and so you you're you're too sensitive to things I, I totally and you're too heightened towards them when in the future you don't have time to even think about them because you're so focused on the goal and, and on towards making an impact and on towards your audience and towards growing and developing that you don't you don't have time you know in the book personalized and permanent i talk about becoming selectively ignorant like as an example like seth godin seth godin is someone you know who seth is right Mm, I've heard he's the got name. a brilliant blog. He's written like 15 New York Times. I'm not, I mean, he's written like 15 really great marketing and entrepreneurial books. Really recommend Seth Godin. But he talks about how for a long time he used to read the comments on Amazon about his books and he'd always be in a bad mood because there's always people like critiquing him in a negative way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so he stopped reading the comments. He became selectively ignorant. And like, yes, he still gets feedback, but he gets feedback from people who are helping him, not people who are just for no good reason, trying to tear him down. Like getting Mm -hmm. feedback is good from people who are, who can give you feedback and people who want to help you get better. But the people who are just trying to tear you down, they literally, their feedback is not important because they're not actually trying to help you get better. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, not being constructive at least. Well, and they're, they're not trying to help you get better. Absolutely. They're not. We're coming close to the end of the podcast. I was just wondering, do you have any words of wisdom, some rules that you live by? One of my favorite quotes is no other success can compensate for failure in the home. So for me, you know, family for me matters. And, and uh, you know, that doesn't, you know, just for you, for example, just because you've been divorced doesn't mean you're a failure. Like t- to me, it's like your investment in your kids and like what you focus on. So for me, I'm like, you know, I really, I believe that nothing I do in my life will be as important as my roles, you know, as a, like as a husband and father. And so for me, I'm, I, I very much, I will give up opportunities just to be that, you know? And I think that, uh, that's, that's been really a big one for me. Um, uh, what else? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's just, there's things that I definitely do on, <laughs> well, I guess I'll give another mm-hmm. quote or an idea, but there's, there's, there's habits that I've done that I feel like are really essential. But the other quote is a hundred percent is easier than 98%. This is one that I really love and uh, I'll explain okay. it. So a hundred, and this comes from Clayton Christensen, who's no longer alive, but he was a Harvard business professor who was really brilliant. But he said 100% commitment is easier than 98% commitment. And the reason for that is, is that if you're only 98% committed to something, like let's just say a diet. If you're 98% committed to the diet, then what that means is that in every future situation you're in, you have to make a decision if this is one of those times when you're going to live the diet, right? If you're 100%, mm-hmm. then in every future situation, it's like it's, it's black or white. It's like yes or no, I'm going to do it or not. But if you're only 98% committed, then in every future situation you're in, you have to make a choice. Is this one of those times? And what they call that when you're trying to make a choice is they call it decision fatigue in psychology. In order to make a choice, mm-hmm. you've got you to gotta go through decision fatigue. And when you're dealing with decision fatigue, usually the situation wins. Or more often than not, the situation wins. And obviously, when the situation wins and you're going against what you're striving for, your confidence plummets. And so Michael Jordan said, once I made a decision, I never thought about it again. The idea of never thinking about it again is really nice. Um, having to think about something in every situation you're in really burns you out and it, and it confuses your identity because you're saying one thing, but you're doing another and you're just watching yourself go back and forth. And so 98% commitment to something uh, is, is honestly worse than just choosing not to do it because then you're in a complete state of uh, willpower loss. You're losing the battles over and over and you're just not, you're not, you're not making progress. Um, and so it's a lot easier to just That's make a decision and then never think about it again. And that's really good for willpower. It's also just good for confidence. And so I'll I'll, uh, I'll leave that with you. That's amazing. That's awesome. I mean, I could talk to you all day long. <laughs> no, I could too. It's brilliant. Um, Very happy to talk to you, man. Thank you for letting how, me be on your show. How could how can our listeners get a hold of you? 
The thing that I would recommend is just to check out Personality Isn't Permanent. You can get the book pretty much anywhere. Um, Amazon, Audible, etc. It's published with Penguin Random House, but benjaminhardy.com is my website. All my blogs are there. And uh, if you buy the book, you can you can get all sorts of free resources, free bonus courses, courses that have where I teach my blogging strategies. Um, and that stuff's free. Like these are courses I've sold for over a thousand dollars each, but I'm giving them for free for people who, um, you know, who buy the book. And the That's book awesome. is going to transform your life. I can promise you that. And uh, just grateful to be with you on your show. I'm so glad to have had you on the show. You're an inspiration to me. You're an inspiration to our listeners. And I'm so, so, so happy that you came on the show today. Dude, you're an inspiration to me as well. I, awesome. I, uh, I love your energy. I love your mindset. I love your, I love your desires. You've got great desires, man. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, there you go, guys. Dr. Benjamin Hardy. It was a pleasure having you on the show today. Please check out the show notes and we're going to have all of his information, his book and everything on there. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe and check out the creativeentrepreneur.net. And until next week, keep on keeping on. Thank you for listening to The Creative Entrepreneur. Please click the show notes for additional information. Want to know more? Click on the subscribe button and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by visiting us at tcepodcast.net.